Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of AI and You. Today, we have the amazing Kobabe joining us. Um, Kobabe, <laughs> please introduce yourself. Hi there, Maria. Uh, my name is Kobabe Zamut. I'm a data science solutions architect here at Rackspace, which means that I lead teams in developing end-to-end -end solutions uh, for clients, AI solutions mostly. Um, I've been in this field for roughly nine years right now. Um, I Prior to that, I was a PhD student. So I have a PhD right now in data science and a master's in theoretical machine learning. Wow, that's really cool. Um, I My master's was in uh, statistical computing and that's basically the math that powers artificial intelligence. So it's all the calculus wow. and the statistics that is used to build the algorithms. That's awesome. <laughs> oh my goodness i'm very i was very happy when i graduated <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure like this is this is a pretty tough field to be in um how long ago was that um a while ago <laughs> <laughs> so yeah thank you everyone again for joining us and um just to get started and you know give us a good baseline because we keep hearing the word artificial intelligence and, it, and it's being thrown around a lot. And so what does it actually mean in the business sense when we're thinking about an application of using artificial intelligence to improve my profits for my business, to help me save money, to um, deliver better outcomes? So what does this actually mean? And so we're going to start with a, def a definition for artificial intelligence and machine learning. So artificial intelligence is any computer system which can solve problems in ways traditionally associated with human cognition and learning. And then machine learning is the training of a computer system to make predictions using statistical models based on data, which is an important underpinning of AI. So ultimately the decision, uh, the goal is decision-making without a human agent. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, like machine learning algorithms are basically um, algorithms that are designed, uh, designed to make decisions on our behalf to pick up on patterns in the data. And um, it can infer the decision points on its own uh, during its learning process. And after it learns, you get this model that you're able to query and get its perspective on your decision. Yeah, and you know that's very helpful in the business sense because then you have a pattern that you can extrapolate. And now how do I use this pattern? Well, how do we get started right that with that? Like how do how do I know what pattern I need to see? So for that, we need to know as a as as a business, as a leader, what problem am I solving for? What am I trying to achieve? Do I need to save money on inventory and shipping? You know, um, for that, I'm going to need data on, you know, that traces inventory and shipping 
uh, across different factors. Am I trying to, you know, reduce the type of damage due to to different items being shipped together? And because these different items are shaped in different ways when they hit each other being transported, does that cause damage? So in that example, what type of data am I looking for? And that would be data on the types of items and maybe the duration of how long things are being shipped. Maybe their shapes, maybe the containers that they're in. And so that's just an example of how to think about a problem like that. And so what about other types of problems? You know, am I optimizing a current workload? Uh, what, what data should I be looking at if I'm trying to optimize a workload? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my advice for uh, businesses who are looking to um, make use of artificial intelligence and machine learning is to first start by looking at the business understand what are the different processes that they have and ensure that you're gathering all possible data about these processes and look at how you're actually making the decisions right now. So uh, for example, shipping, for example, how are you deciding um, when to ship a particular product or which products should be shipped together or not? Look at your existing process first and gather all the necessary data for that. And um, you know, a good rule of thumb would be to gather all possible data you have. Um, these are amazingly important assets in, in today's age. Then at that point, um, start thinking about how to automate this decision. So how to bring in a machine learning model um, that is capable of recommending to you which products, for example, should or shouldn't be shipped together. So that would be my advice there. Thank you, Kobe. That's very enlightening for our audience. So now like that we've as a business owner that I've thought about, okay, this is the thing that I think we can save money or make more money on if we implement an automation process. So how does this actually, like, how does it work? Like a model or algorithm is usually first trained on existing data to find a configuration that most accurately predicts a known outcome. And then once it's configured, the model can be used to make quick predictions about future outcomes. Um, so what's the implementation after that? So that's that's a very good question. So um, let me see first if I understand the question correctly. So the question is, uh, now that we have the data and we have a model that is capable of making the decision for us, um, what is the implementation after that, correct? Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, for example, let, let's take a concrete example. Let's say that you are a, um, a farmer and you have... Um, a massive farm, and you'd like to figure out um, how much, um, let's say, fertilizer you should use. So you could train a machine learning model capable of inferring the farm yield per hectare, let's say, um, giving different configurations, the different amounts of sunlight, different amounts of water, different amounts of fertilizer, different different kinds of fertilizer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you train that model and it performs, let's say, really well on predicting the yield. Now that you're done with that model, now that you have that model at your hand, you can query it by asking it, um, giving it, you know, the particular farm's configuration. You know, this farm will get this much water per hectare. It will get this kind of, uh, this amount of sunlight per year or whatever it is. And then try to um, change the fertilizer amount 
vary the fertilizer amount. And what would the model tell you is how much yield that amount of fertilizer would give you. And so by trying different amounts of fertilizer, you can find from the model what is the maximum yield you can get. And therefore, that gives you the optimal amount of fertilizer you should use according to the model. Okay, thank you for that. Wow, I bet there's a lot of farmers who are really excited about this now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So what about a different implementation? You know, when we're thinking about, for example, marketing applications. Um, so marketing is one of those uh, uh, difficult ones because anybody who works in that field would confirm that marketing works. Uh, it's, it's not a deterministic process. It's not that you create a marketing ad that um, you know, will guarantee whoever sees it um, will buy your product, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough game there. So machine learning approaches marketing, some, some application of marketing, for example, recommendation, um, you know, using what we call recommendation engine. And it tries to learn the patterns between people, how similar people are, who are, let's say, going on your website, and how similar the products are that you're offering and how these people are interacting with the products. And then if you get a new customer who bought some particular product, you can, based on the similarity of the user to the others and the product they purchased to other products that have been purchased and the interactions of these users and items, um, recommend products that this person may or may not buy. Um, so these, that's one example for marketing is this, this example, which is recommender uh, engine or recommender system. And so is that what people mean when they're talking about marketing segmentation? So, yeah, that's actually a different. Uh, so that's another application of machine learning. So market segmentation, let's say that you have an online store and you have so many users um, that are buying your products. You have the intuition, you're noticing that certain products are bought, bought by users who are of a particular age. Um, and, you know, you want to do an analysis to try to find similarities between the users. So you can employ something called clustering. Clustering will allow you to find similar users based on variables like age and location, etc. And then allow you to dig deeper into these clusters to see what are the commonalities between these users uh, in terms of purchase. So what are they purchasing that are similar? And this allow you to kind of focus your ads on these people and these specific products they seem to like. Wow, that is really cool. I, I think yeah. that that's really helpful for the marketing yeah. field right now. So then that brings up the question, like what, if I'm a business owner, how do I even know like when to use machine learning like, and when it's gonna be useful? In my experience, you know, machine learning is useful in cases where there's decision making rules that aren't clearly are that can't be clearly articulated. You know, does this person look happy in this picture? What other products might this user be interested? Um, another one is uh, when judgments need to be made at scale, for example, which of these 10,000 emails are spam if we have a hundred thousand cars going through the airport, what were their license plates? And then the other right. use case that I've seen um, for machine learning is, you know, prediction is the key value that you're trying to extract from machine learning. So to go back to your example, 
uh, when, you know, the farmer's trying to predict the specific yield based on these factors. Um, mm -hmm. So that's when an algorithm predicts a number or an algorithm uh, predicts a class. What kind of vehicle part is this? Or an algorithm can discover an unobvious group, like the marketing segmentation example. What groups of customers do we have? Are there major topics occurring in this group of documents? So in your experience, when is it appropriate to use machine learning? That's a, that's a very good question. So machine learning, exactly like you said, has many uses. Um, there are situations where the decision, the relationship between the decision and the data is basically deterministic. So for example, um, let's say recently I, I had a headache, so I wanted to take some pain medication. I went ahead and took the pain medication based on a chart I had in the back. Um, it, based on your weight, it tells you exactly how much you should take. So that's an example of a deterministic relationship. Machine learning model will be able to tell you exactly how much you should take, but it's an overkill because you're gonna have to hire data scientists, machine learning engineers, and you know have them work on your data and develop models and deploy it. Monitoring these models, that's a lot of work for a, a deterministic relationship that you can solve algorithmically. Um, machine learning become really useful when the relationship is not so clear. So going back to the farm example, in the farm situation, there isn't really a linear relationship or a deterministic relationship that you can infer, um, you know, how much sunlight should we get versus, um, versus the yield. So obviously if you get too little for some, uh, for some crops, if you get too little sunlight, um, you know, that's no good for the crop, it will not grow. If you get too much, that may be counterproductive. And similarly for the water, similarly for the fertilizer. And so the relationship is not quite clear. It's not like put more, you get more. You cannot also devise an equation that will deterministically tell you exactly how much yield you will get, giving the different soil types and you know the sunlight and all that. And so a machine learning model will be able to learn the different relationships between these variables and make a best, best prediction uh, based on the data that we have at hand. So for these situations, machine learning will be extremely useful. Um, for other situations like determining your body mass index, there's clearly an algorithm for this, a, a specific mathematical equation that can derive the number. And so machine learning would not be useful there. Awesome. What, are, what has been your favorite business problem that you've solved with machine learning or AI? Oh, that's, that's a really good question. Um, so one, one uh, problem that I worked with recently uh, was a customer that uh, is looking to bring in a brand new revenue stream. So they want to use machine learning to do something that previously they could not do. So that's, they're not trying to optimize the current process. They're not trying to, uh, you know, reduce costs or anything like that. They're trying to just bring in new revenue. And the way they decided to do this, this particular customer uh, produces cooking show videos. And so they, they publish them on YouTube and people go and watch these videos to learn how to make certain recipes, amazing videos. Uh, one of the things they noticed is that their customers are often asking them about the tools the chefs are using and where they bought it from. So they decided to make use of affiliate marketing, but the amount of effort they have to put on processing all these old videos that they produced and the incoming ones, the new ones, in order to identify the different products in there and manually put the affiliate marketing link for people to go and uh, purchase these tools uh, was quite high for them. And so they came to us and asked us to develop 
computer vision model that is capable of identifying these particular objects in these videos. So we worked on that. We got them an amazing model up and running uh, where they were actually able to, to do this task uh, very seamlessly. Um, the only cost they would infer would be the cost of uh, inference, which is not nothing compared to uh, what they would have to pay if they hire people to manually go through videos and identify the different products in there. This actually was one of, one of the really decent uh, applications that we had. We made a large business impact on the time. Yeah, what about you, Maria? <laughs> well, Tell us yeah. about one of your favorites. <laughs> oh my goodness, I've seen so many cool like business applications that I, I'm, I really like like process automation, but like mm. I, I think the visual applications are really, really cool. So I'll give I'll give two examples that I thought were just really awesome. So there's this uh, company that they order um, truck parts and mm -hmm. it took them a long time to identify like, uh, hard to find truck parts because they, someone had to manually take a look at the truck part. Who's the maker? Where do I find this? So they were able to build an algorithm that would identify the truck part and then match it up in a database so that we automatically, they just knew what truck part it is. They didn't have to go and research it anymore. And um, it ended up saving the company a lot of money and a lot of time. And then they were be able to take it further and then automate ordering based off of that. And so That's I thought, awesome. yeah, like that was super cool. Um, and then I also thought there was one other one. I think there's a really, interesting applications in simulation testing. Um, so when you're collecting, there's an expert, like, uh, for example, testing breaks in winter weather before you even put a person or a dummy or whatever is part of the normal testing process. How do you use an algorithmic simulation to see what happens based on this new break design? And uh, <laughs> I thought that that was a very, there's some very interesting safety applications also in that field being that we're having a, a, a talk a discussion about how what are our first steps what do i need to think about if i want to look at artificial intelligence or machine learning as um as a possible way to, to solve a business problem or, or make or help my business be more profitable i think hmm. we need to have a discussion on data right like absolutely yeah, like what do I have data for as a business? There's the three basic V's of data, which are volume, velocity, and variety. And volume is how much data do I have? Velocity, how quickly do I need the decisions to be made? And then variety. So if I have a visual identification problem, I need image data, right? If I need, mm -hmm. um, if, I, for example, I need to be able to classify um, uh, if I need to be able to classify um, voice recordings, then I need audio data. Um, and so that's that what that variety part means. Um, what is right. your uh, what would you recommend? Yeah, absolutely. So what you said right now covers the whole, the whole spectrum. These are very important considerations. Um, the thing is, 
it costs money to store data. So businesses often store whatever they think they have to. Um, and I think leadership need to have a shift in perspective here. And they need to consider storing all their data. They need to start thinking about every piece of data they can store as an asset. Um, and the reason being is though, you don't have a clear application for it right now. You never know what's gonna happen in the future. You never know what happens when a consultant like us, Rackspace, come in and tell you, oh, we, in order to optimize your objectives here, we need this sort of data. And then <laughs> it's a bit too late right now. And so it's important that we have that shift in perspective and start looking at data as a strategic asset. Store all your data in whichever way you possibly can, and then bring in the consultants to try to consolidate all your data into, let's say, a data leak or something. Um, if you don't have data and you need to buy some, there are service, there are companies that offer data for sale. So there are always options. Don't feel like if you haven't stored any data, then you're out of luck. Um, but yeah, data needs to be looked at moving forward as a strategic um, asset for your company. So what about, you know, we need data. What about how the data is also stored? What do I, what do I need to think about as a business owner? about how this data is stored so that I can get it out and use it easily? That's, that's a good question. Um, well, obviously you would need somebody who understands the different uh, shapes and forms of the data. Some data can be stored in what we call like a blob storages or like an S3 bucket or something. So image data, for example, can simply be stored in a bucket or uh, your hard drive if you have your own uh, servers at, uh, in your company. Uh, other data tend to have more structured tabular sort of format. And so you would need to store your data in a relational database. Um, and so for that, you're going to need to have a database expert who takes a look at your data and then normalize it and store it in your database. Other kinds of data that cannot be represented um, as a tabular data can be stored in NoSQL kind of databases. So graph data can be stored in graph databases. JSON files can be stored in uh, JSON-based databases, um, and you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There are different kinds of data, and you need the experts who can tell you how to best store it for particular ends. Now, my advice for leaders is to initially try to store your data in whichever way you possibly can, and then bringing the experts to be able to make use of it and clean it up. So, is a database upgrade something? that might be a needed, is it possible that maybe that that's part of an artificial intelligence or machine learning journey? Absolutely. Certain machine learning algorithms, um, generally speaking, uh, tabular data, so data stored in databases like a relational database, are best for analytics purposes. So you can use that data to make dashboards, to train machine learning models, et cetera, et cetera. But the variety of requirements for machine learning models, uh, data requirements for machine learning models uh, is large. And so it's not possible or not reasonable even to expect business owners um, to start thinking about that at this point. I think it's best to store the data whichever way you possibly can. And then once you decide a use case, machine learning use case, then you can transform the data. That's why you have things like data lakes. Data lakes allow you to do that. Wow, that's really useful, you know, to know that even though I have data, like it, it's okay, the format, like we can figure out a way to use it. 
Exactly. Um, so how is a data lake different from a database? So databases, databases are designed to be more rigid. They have a lot of checks in place to make sure that the data looks a certain way, not missing fields, are of a particular type. It's more rigid. And so it's good for solid data. Data lakes are more elastic. So you bring in your data in whichever format you have and put it in some location. Then you have processes in place, ETLs essentially, that take the data and transform them, put them in a different location to serve a specific task. So for example, if you're looking to design um, a dashboard and your data is, is, is in a different format that can be handled by a dashboard application, the data is stored in a data lake, you need to design now an ETL pipeline that is capable of ingesting the data in its initial format and then transform it to a format that can be useful for dashboarding. And this example is just one example. You can apply this for um, other kinds of data and other kinds of uh, artificial intelligence use cases. Okay, awesome. So, you know, going back to, you mentioned um, that if a business owner doesn't have data, they have the option of purchasing data. What, are there other options available too? Like maybe using, um, you know, starting off with purchase data and then using a specific algorithm, like a long-term, short-term memory algorithm, neural network, that can then update the pattern as their own data comes in? That's, that's an awesome question, actually. So um, um, in, in today's machine learning world, uh, we have many uh, machine learning models that have already been pre-trained for you. So one example, let's say that you are looking to have a model capable of identifying particular individuals from text or locations from text. Um, so let's say you're ingesting a bunch of um, information from social, uh, social media websites. And you want to know which people travel to which destination. For some reason, that's very important for you. Instead of going and annotating massive data sets, that basically gathering all this data, and then pushing all this data to, let's say, Mechanical Turk and have people manually annotate the data for you so you can use it to train a brand new model, a natural language processing model. What you could do is make use of one of many popular algorithms that have already been pre-trained to similar ends. They're pre-trained to be able to understand the English language, generally speaking. But you can then take this data, you can take this model, and with a little bit of tweaks using the concept of online learning, and transfer learning, you can take this model and tweak it and make it serve your purpose. And you would need very little data compared to what you initially would need to, tra to train a brand new model. Wow, that is so helpful. That must save a lot of time in development. Absolutely. So let's say you have all this data now, right? And my data is in good shape. What's like, what's the next step? Do I need to start thinking about like the speed of my predictions or the decisions that need to be made? Help me understand that. Absolutely. Um, so what you would need to do is understand the non-functional requirements of your uh, of the machine learning purpose, right? You need to understand how fast, exactly what you pointed out, how fast you want the inference to be. Um, so it's first of all, think about, do you want the inference to be online or real, real time? or do you need it to be a batch uh, style? So that would be 
situations where, for example, you need to predict real-time uh, investment opportunities. As the stock market prices are fluctuating, you need to decide right now if you should buy or sell a stock. So this use case, for example, is extremely time sensitive. For that, you need to host your models um, in a way that can handle such uh, querying speed and, and potentially even querying uh, volume, right? Many, many queries happening at the same time. There are other situations, for example, recommender systems like we talked about earlier, those ones can run, for example, overnight. You can take all your users, all their purchase patterns, pass it through the model, and get updated recommendation on these users. Um, so updated recommendations for the users. So these are two examples of considerations you have to make. Do we need it to be batch, or do we need it to make it real time? Um, Marina, maybe you should share with us a couple of ideas. Um, yeah, I think, you know, when it comes to taking a look at what do I have to do after my data is, is in shape? You know, it's really important to think about speed and the decisions. Like, do I need something as far as that makes a quick prediction? You know, then it might not be an appropriate thing to use an, um, a neural network, right? Because those can take mm -hmm. forever to train, but maybe my algorithm choice might be a decision tree because that really helps speed up the decision-making process. So with faster decisions, sometimes it's necessary to use simpler algorithms. Um, with with out-of-the-box solutions though, uh, we now have disposable at, at our fingertips, all these pre-trained models. And that's so helpful, um, you know, even in circumstances where we're just trying to identify an object, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have to retrain that model. So it's it's completely possible that we can have a complex problem using out-of-the-box solution that saves us so much development time and still have our problem solved. And then depending on the solution or not, we can also make the choice, hey, we actually might need a custom decision. Maybe we need a custom model here. And we might need to choose a lightweight model to make faster decisions for our business because this is the right decision for us. Absolutely. budget considerations? Absolutely. So um, the, the technology right now, the hardware technologies is also catching up to the machine learning. And they're right now producing chips that are capable of accelerating inference on complex deep deep learning uh, models. Uh, for example, Inferentia, which is AWS's. Um, now to go back to your uh, question, um, what other considerations, exactly the point you brought up. So do we need to be able to understand the model? Do we need to be able to um, look at what it learned, what are the decision points and kind of understand it and double check it? Um, so decision trees, for example, are known to be fairly interpretable. It can actually be transformed after the model has, after the algorithm has learned, and now you have a model that you can query, it can actually transform that model to a series of if else or if then statements. And you can, you can understand exactly, you can visualize the tree itself and see which one of the decision points uh, was more important and what are the different threshold values that are used, right? Um, so for the loan application example that you brought up, maybe the most important decision factor was the amount of the loan 
And if the amount of the loan was more than a certain number, it went in one direction of the tree. And if it was less, it went to the other. So interpretability of a model is also a key consideration. Okay. Yeah, that is, you know, and also in regulatory bodies, sometimes you have to report on why decisions are being made. And so those exactly. decision trees get really, really useful in circumstances where you have to make a decision and then be able to explain it to a regulatory body or document it somewhere. Um, Absolutely. There has been research, though, and I think it was by Dartmouth of producing technology that takes a neural network and makes it interpretable on the decisions that it's making and how the data is flowing through and being interpreted. So I'll be yes. really excited when, you know, we can take an advanced neural network algorithm and be able to explain it in plain language, why these decisions were being made. Yes, absolutely. So um, what you said is absolutely true. And, and there's a lot of effort right now uh, being put to be able to interpret machine learning models for different reasons, right? Some of it is ethical reasons, for example. Is there bias in the model? Is the model picking up on some bias that is in the data? And how do, how do we counter that? How do we get rid of that bias? So yes, absolutely, you're, you're correct. This is um, a growing field right now, and we expect to see breakthroughs. So then how do we deal, like, for example, when we have biased data, what is a solution technique that can be applied to help a business owner or a leader still make an ethical decision, even if there is bias in their data? That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good question and also a tough question. There isn't right now a standard procedure to tackle this. The machine learning models, generally speaking, uh, machine learning algorithms, pick up on patterns in the data. And if the data has some inherent bias in it, then it will pick up on that. So let's take the loan application example. Uh, let's say if you look at your data, you will find that female applicants um, have a probability of 30% of getting a loan, while the male ones seem to have a higher probability than that. So this is an inherent bias in the data. The machine learning model will pick up on this and will factor in this prior probability in its decision-making, which is dangerous. So there are techniques that you can overcome this. Um, this specific issue I just talked about uh, is referred to as the class imbalance, and it's a variation of the class imbalance problem. And there are different ways you can, you can tackle this by uh, manipulating the learning objective, uh, of the machine learning model or changing the data, replicating or creating new data for, for, these, uh, for the minority class or the underrepresented data. Um, there are ways also to identify the bias, uh, which is basically, like I said, it's, it's a statistical approach. You take a look at the, the probability of different things giving uh, variables like you know, the probability of getting a loan, given that you're female. Um, and also, there are other approaches by basically collecting more data. Um, and that's usually the most difficult one because the most time consuming. If you simply don't have data, collecting it will take time. And there are approaches of generating new data by taking a look at the data that you have at hand, modeling it statistically, and then producing similar data. So that's, that's where the state of the art is at. Uh, I believe 
there are um, advancements to be made there and uh, there's a lot of potential of advancements um, a lot of big companies uh, you know google and facebook and and whatnot um, are actually researching this topic actively and trying to come up with solutions to it wow i'm i'm really excited to hear where we make progress in this field um and i'm, I'm glad to hear that, that there's also techniques that uh, can be employed if you know that as a business owner, hey, I've got this problem and the bias probably does exist in my data set, but mm -hmm. we know that it's there and now, hey, we've got a solution. So what about hardware considerations when we're thinking about implementing an artificial intelligence or machine learning solution for a business? That's, that's a very good question. Um, I think you probably have much better idea than me at this one, but I'll take a first crack at it. Um, so it is, it is known that some machine learning models would need massive computation power to be able to uh, train a model. Um, now, these kinds of models are often not needed by a typical machine learning use case. These are for um, highly specialized use cases for massive companies um, that are trying to uh, get a bit better uh, every time. And so um, what they do is they have this massive data sets and massive uh, configurations for deep neural networks, for example, or um, convolutional neural networks or whatever. Um, and they train these, uh, these models and it takes, it takes a long time. And for that, uh, they will have highly specialized hardware uh, to um, be able to train quickly and um, allow them to even sometimes uh, train in parallel to be able to find the best configuration, let's say, for, for a model. Uh, for a typical use case, it's not likely that that's your situation. Um, it's You would just basically need to figure out what use case you have, and if your training is going to be done on a CPU versus a GPU, and secure the, the hardware that your training require uh, for the fastest training possible. It is quite costly to uh, build your own server to this end, uh, especially if you um, are, you know, a small, medium, uh, even large uh, companies uh, with lots of data, you're gonna need you're gonna need to buy really specialized hardware. So that's why you have cloud services like you know AWS services, uh, Azure, etc., that offer you uh, training facilities, training hardware um, for for really cheap compared to what you would cost to pay upfront for the hardware. So uh, yeah, the uh, the um, consideration would be to determine um, CPU versus GPU training, um, obviously the storage, uh, the hard drive uh, speeds, et cetera. Yeah, so what I heard from that was that as a business owner, I have to make the decision whether I wanna buy the hardware myself and host it on my own property, or if I wanna use cloud computation services through a provider like AWS, um, Google, or Azure. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And so how does that affect development time in a project? Um, how does that affect development time? Mm -hmm. Well, obviously, when if you if you choose to use your own uh, custom hardware um, locally, you'd have to have the expertise that your team needs to have that expertise to be able to deal with that hardware and set up all the necessary libraries to you know, do training in this particular way. Um, but if you choose to go to the cloud direction, uh, you, you, 
you have to have people who know how to use the specific cloud platform that uh, you chose. Um, but you would not need to have any expertise to set up uh, the hardware or the appropriate software to ease uh, the training process. Uh, for example, AWS uh, offers a suite of services. Uh, so the most popular, which is SageMaker, uh, that allows you to um, create hyperparameter optimization jobs, train massive models um, by simply just clicking and configuring and using an interface saying, I want to use this particular, uh, these particular machines. I, I need to run 40 training jobs. I need to do this and that. Just simply just clicking around. And it's a very well-documented process. And then pushing that job uh, into the cloud. And then you get back your best performing model. And then you can easily also uh, host that model to a SageMaker endpoint. So you would need to have less experience in the hardware and the software needed for training uh, when you go online. That's very... Um, I, I think that's really exciting that we've gotten to the point now, you know, where almost any business can implement an artificial intelligence or machine learning solution to help them make money or save time. And so let's say I'm the business owner, right? Or I, I'm the leader in the organization and I've decided, yeah, I'm going to go for it and I'm going to use cloud services because then I, I don't have to have an internal team and all this hardware. Um, you know, how long can it take? to do like an accelerated proof of concept for an idea, like a recommendation engine, for example? Well, that's that's a very good question. So um, it really depends on your readiness for machine learning. So it depends on the state of your data um, and uh, also uh, the amount of experience you have. If you come to a consulting agency like, uh, like Rackspace, for example, uh, and assuming that your data is in, in, in excellent shape, doesn't we don't need to do a lot of work to clean it or acquire new data for you. It will usually take somewhere between four to six weeks to get you a proof of concept working and um, connected into your, your process already. So that's usually how long it takes. And that also involves uh, time for knowledge transfer and training. So basically we train you uh, uh, how to understand this model, how to understand the training process, how to uh, maintain it in the future and how to use it as part of your own process. Um, and also involve time for documentation and things like that. So yeah, the, the actual machine learning work will probably not be more than four, uh, four weeks and the entire process somewhere between four to six weeks. Wow, that is like, I, I think, you know, as a business owner that I would be super excited, you know, to know that, hey, I've got this use case, you know, like I have a lot of people doing, um, trying to recommend products and I can basically test out a, a full, a proof of concept in about six weeks of development. I think that shows how far we've gotten into, um, you know, trying to make these things easier and more simple to use and apply to businesses. Um, so we covered a lot today and thank you everybody for staying with us just to give, you know, a quick summary of what we covered in the podcast. Uh, it's important to think about, you know, what problem am I solving for? Do I need an ideation meeting with people who have more experience? Um, is an algorithmic solution the best solution for me as the business owner? Can I make, do I need to make judgments at scale? Are my decision rules complex? Is there a key value predicting a class or grouping things together that can help my business make money or save money? Um, state of data can uh, considerations, time and budget, 
And then, um, you know, I, I just wanted to thank everyone. Thank you so much, Kobabe, for, for joining us today. And um, I have one really important question left that I need to ask you. Um, <laughs> if you could solve any problem in the whole wide world with machine learning or artificial intelligence, what would it be? Well, that's a very good question. Um, I can't say that I have a favorite at this point. Um, mm -hmm. I, am, I am currently working on solving the uh, AI um, human in the loop sort of uh, challenge how to bring humans in the loop uh, as your machine learning models are evolving. So that, that would be uh, my biggest interest at this point and what I'm working on uh, to be able to involve humans in a crowdsourcing fashion to train the best or continue to evolve machine learning models. Mm -hmm. And if our audience wanted to get in touch with you, um, how would they reach you? Um, through Rackspace. Um, I'm not sure if you will be offering my um, email or anything like that, but absolutely my uh, Rackspace email is kubeid.zamut at rackspace.com. And um, yeah, I, I hope you provide my uh, other foremost contact. Uh, feel <laughs> free to do that. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much to everybody for tuning in today to listen to our podcast on where do I get started in AI. Um, please feel free to reach out to Rackspace if, there, if you think artificial intelligence and machine learning implementation would be helpful for your business.